test one too. Well, good morning. That was some good worship this morning, wasn't it? Um, I want to thank the praise team. You guys, uh, I, I said it before, I'll say it again. You guys bring us right up to the gates. I mean, right up to the gates. I really appreciate that so much. Um, I'm really excited about the, the things that we're going to be talking about this morning because uh, we're going to be transitioning in this sermon series that we've been doing called Upreach, Inreach, and Outreach. And we're going to be transitioning to the third part of that series called Outreach. And I have to say I'm excited because this is, this is the most fun part of, of the three to me um, because when we're, talking about, uh, up, when we're talking about outreach, thank you, Terry, when we're talking about outreach, we're talking about getting the privilege of being able to go on mission with Jesus Christ. And I get excited about that. You think about the world that we're living in today. We're living in a world that has darkness. Amen. You think about everything that's going on in the world right now. I mean, just the darkness that's, that's coming over the, the country of Ukraine as we speak. Um, I, we were having Bible class a, a little earlier, and uh, there's another nation. Um, I, I always say it wrong, David. Belarus has entered into the war and uh, on the side of Russia, and they are going to be coming against Ukraine as of today. They're going to be bombing Kiev. So there's a lot of darkness that is in this world, and we have got to be the people that send the light. We have to. We are the ones that have the answer. Amen? Okay, so up until this point, we have, we have realized, just to kind of recap some of the ideas, the big ideas that we've talked about so far, we have realized that through upreach, we have received an incredible gift from the Father. Through this idea of upreach, we have received the presence of God through the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us as a gift to come and to live on the inside of us. That is a holy New Testament concept. That is a new covenant concept. That is something that the Old Testament saints and the prophets waited thousands of years for, but you and I get to have a privilege to be able to be a part of this today. We have the presence of God, the presence that used to live in the Holy of Holies, now making His home and residence inside of me. Now, you know what that does for me? What that does for me is that it fulfills this passage right here where Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, he says, I want to remind you of something, that it is God working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. And so we live in all of this. We begin to live out our lives walking in the Holy Spirit. We become sensitive to His presence in our lives. We become sensitive to the work of God in our hearts. And you know what the Bible says begins to happen over time as we walk in the Holy Spirit? We begin to see like fruit growing on the inside of us, things that we didn't know were there before. We start to realize that we're more loving We're having more joy. We're experiencing more peace and patience. And and we're being kind toward people that otherwise we used to be maybe a little sharper with, right? 
there's goodness and faithfulness and we're being more gentle with our spouses, with our children, with other people in the church and self-control. We're starting to overcome the many addictions that we have in our lives. This is walking in the Holy Spirit. This is learning how to be freed from the Holy Spirit. And what happens then is that as more and more of us in the church begin to have this personal, what I would call a great awakening to who God is, then that begins to build a shared empathy toward one another. We begin to place a high emphasis on unity. Why? Because it's what Jesus wanted. Because we know that as one, we can accomplish much more than if we just try to be lone ranger Christians off to the side over here by ourselves. We start to realize that that unity is based upon our shared commitment as Jesus, as our teacher, and not whether... We agree on everything necessarily or not. And because we get so excited about what God is doing in our lives, because we're so excited to tell other people, hey, i got to share with you what God's done in my life this week, what happens when you get a group of people who are all excited about their journey with Christ over the previous week? The result of that is what we call worship. The bottom line of upreach is worship. If you want your worship to be where it needs to be, if you want exciting, exuberant worship, have upreach in place. Have a lot of people who have already had their cup filled so that by the time they show up on Sunday morning, they're ready to pour their cup out. Amen? And by the way, that engenders a more deep relationship with each other. That's how we can take unity even deeper because guess what happens? When I've got God's stories to tell about things that God's doing in my life and and the boys... you've got God's stories in your life, then when I get together with you, guess what? I want to hear what God's doing in your life. You want to hear what God's doing in my life. And as we spend time together and test the boundaries of our unity and share those love stories with each other, we grow deeper. And that is in reach. When in reach is where it needs to be, you have unity and fellowship. When you have upreach, you have worship. When you have in-reach, you have unity and you have fellowship. But what happens then as we're living in this faith community that is known for its love and for its unity and for its stand for the truth, other people begin to take notice. They begin to notice that little church called Eastside Church of Christ, and they realize, wait a minute, there's something different about that church. There's a lot of churches. I've been to a bunch of them, but there's something unique about that one. They love each other genuinely. They forgive each other thoroughly. They serve each other with a whole heart. And so that is what draws people, this shared experience of loving God and and being in love with each other. Now this morning, we're going to begin wrapping up this this series on upreach, inreach, and outreach. And we're going to be focusing the next couple of uh, weeks on this third one here uh, called outreach. And it's my prayer, my hope and my prayer is that these lessons have been a blessing to you. Um, man, I, I, here lately, I just I have so much anxiety when I get up here sometimes because, um, A, I, I struggle with my ability to speak sometimes. I have a bit of an impediment. My word, I trip over my words a lot, okay? And secondly, because of the gravity of what I'm saying. 
because I realize that these are things that have come out of deep prayer and worship myself with the Father over the course of the week. And I know that these things, these are things that He wants us to live out. Now, I have a, a, a couple things I want to just, just put out here really, really, really quick. Um, over the course of the next four weeks, I'm planning to launch what I'm just calling workshops. It's nothing fancy. But my role is to be an equipper, right? To help equip you and the things that we're talking about. So over the course of the next few weeks, I don't have any dates set, but we are going to be getting together and we're going to be talking about Upreach, specifically how to do your own personal 95-5 time, okay? We're going to do it by doing it together. It'll probably be on a weekend, maybe, maybe a weeknight. Don't know yet, but what I would like to do is to get people who are interested to just give me your name and number at the end of worship, okay? What does it look like? What are we going to focus on? Well, these workshops, I'll probably do about four of them, and I'm going to basically do 95-5 time, quiet time, okay, um, with you. And I'm going to show you how to quiet your mind. I'm going to show you how to listen for God's voice. I'm going to show you how to have your own devotional time with God. Um, I'm going to get into about what it means to have your own personal relationship with the Father. We'll talk about um, discovering your gifts, the things that God has gifted you. We'll talk a little bit about how to know where God has placed you in this church and where you can serve in this congregation. There's all kinds of things that I want to discuss in um, these little workshops. Um, But I hope they're helpful for you because I don't want to just be a preacher. I don't want to just be a preacher. I want to give you tools in your toolbox so that we can live out these principles together. Amen? Okay. In Matthew chapter 28, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to take your Bibles and turn over there. Matthew chapter 28, um, after Jesus has spent three and a half years teaching uh, and discipling the twelve, It's now time for Jesus to ascend up into heaven. It's also now time for the 12 disciples to carry on the mission that Jesus started. Okay? So Matthew chapter 28, verses uh, 16 through 20 is what we're going to focus on this morning. And I'm going to take the opportunity for a quick sip. Matthew chapter 28. Let's read it, verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. Now, just to give you a little bit of chronology, this is about ten days after Jesus was raised from the dead. Okay? Jesus appears to his disciples multiple times before he ascends finally on the day of Pentecost. Do we all understand that? So he's been raised from the dead in Jerusalem. Ten days later, most of the, the, the main core group, if you will, of the disciples were from where? They were from Galilee, right? So about 10 days later, they have made their way back up to familiar territory, and now they're back up in Galilee. And about 40 days from this point, they're going to go back to Jerusalem for, the day, for Pentecost, and that's when they're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? Are we all on the same page? Okay. Thank you, Caleb. <laughs> Verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, uh, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So apparently along the way somewhere, now you'll open up commentaries and you'll find, you know, five commentaries give you twelve opinions about which mountain. I don't know, and I don't really care. Apparently somewhere along the way, Jesus said, hey, I want you to go to this mountain up in Galilee and wait for me there. I've got something I want to share with you, okay? They knew which mountain it was. So... 
they go, and it says in verse 17, when they saw him, so they get up there, they're waiting for him on this mountain, they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, and, and this is that famous text, right? The one that we all know so well, what we call the Great Commission. Verse 18. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even unto the very end of the age. Now, I've got a few things I want to discuss with you here about the text in just a moment. But before I do, I want to make sure that I I, I say something here that I think is, is very, very important. There is a very big difference between engaging in evangelism, just inviting someone to church or offering something at your church to try to bring somebody into the church. There's a big difference between just getting somebody to come to church And having a great awakening to the truth that you are this generation's manifestation of the kingdom of God. Did you hear what I said? There's a big difference there. And I want you to hear the difference between the two ways of thinking. Some people say, I don't really feel like going and inviting anybody to church. That's one way of thinking. The other way of thinking is coming to the realization that you are personally, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, you are this generation's hope. You are this generation's manifestation because of the Spirit of the kingdom of the Father. So if there's anybody in this generation who's going to know God, it's going to come through who? It's going to come through you. Had a wise old preacher one time say a long time ago, the Great Commission is true for every generation. Every generation has to hear the good news. Every generation. And so for the last 2,000 years, that, that command to go into all the world has been true for every single successive generation that's been born. So if you're here this morning, and you are, I've always hated that phrase, if you're here this morning, well, obviously you are, Right, But if you're here this morning, and you are, then that means, guess what? You also have inherited this mandate from the Father to be this generation's witness of the kingdom of heaven. That is a radical paradigm shift in the way that we think about church, but I think it needs to happen. It needs to happen because the Great Commission is not about getting somebody to join your brand of church Christianity in the Western world. I say that with kind of a tongue-in-cheek, but I mean, man, don't you feel like, at least in America, we we really struggle with a very business mindset when it comes to church, don't we? You know, we grow up with, with businesses, and we're used to the advertising, we're used to the marketing, we're used to the logos and how squeaky clean everything looks and the promises and the mission statements. We're used to all this, and we adopt it in churches, And so evangelism becomes a lot more about, hey, can I get you to join my club than whether or not we're taking the message of life to a dying and sick world who's blinded because of sin and who needs a Savior. Otherwise, they are bound for hell. Do we really believe that? 
And I think that we've got to struggle with this a little bit because oftentimes I think we think about it so much like a business that we forget that what we actually are is a body. We're a body. One of the things that we have to remember about the Great Commission is that it's nothing new. It's not new. The Great Commission is something that God has been working on and something God has been interested in for thousands and thousands of years. Let me explain. Take your Bibles and go back to Exodus chapter 19 with me. Actually, don't do that. My notes corrected me. Go to Genesis 12. Go back a little further. Go back to Genesis chapter 12. Now, you all probably know the story really well, right? God is calling Abraham here. And remember what he says to him. He says, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And listen to this last part. All the peoples on earth will be what? They will be blessed through you. So stop right there. You've got all the way back in the Old Testament, all the way back when God first calls Abraham, right when he's literally starting what we call the nation of Israel, God makes it clear that he says that that it's his intention to eventually bless all the peoples of the earth through Abraham. Now, why does he want to do that? Well, if you've been reading Genesis all the way up until this point, Genesis 1 through 11 tells you why. It's because we've made a mess of things on the earth. God made everything beautiful and perfect in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve decided to go their own way. Sin was introduced into the equation. Now you've got murder. Now you've got war. Now you've got all kinds of things that are happening and going on. And God said in Genesis chapter 3, eventually I'm going to send a seed of that woman And you will eventually bruise his heel, but because of it, eventually that seed will crush your head. And you see the next movement of God in Genesis chapter 12, where he calls Abraham. And so he's calling Abraham. Why? Because he's wanting to to bring this nation into the world. The the world is full of all kinds of nations, but he says, I'm going to reach the world through one, and this one is going to be mine. And so turn over to this time, Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 through 6. God has taken this people. He's planted them. He's allowed them to become slaves in Egypt for 400 years. He's laid the groundwork. Earlier in Bible class, we were talking about how God uses the experiences of our lives like training ground. That's what the Exodus was supposed to be for Israel. He allowed them to be slaves for 400 years to train them to, to, to love freedom. And they wound up choosing slavery yet again, right? In, in, in idolatry and bondage, but that's not the point I'm trying to make today. In Exodus chapter 19, verses 5 through 6, we see the purpose of why God is calling His people. Read it with me. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So even though the whole earth in reality belongs to God, God's people Israel is God's special treasured possession. And because of that, they, this nation, gets to have a close relationship with the Father. And that means they inherit God's will to be a light to the nations. 
God was always, through the Old Testament, trying to reach out to the world through Israel. Look at one more, Isaiah chapter 42, verses 6 through 7. You see their mission talked about here. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6. God says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. Now, let me pause for just a quick moment. Israel has now been a nation for a long time, over a thousand years. And they've messed up royally. They were supposed to be a light to the nations. They did not do very well with that mandate whatsoever. They wound up becoming just like the nations. And God has sent prophet after prophet after prophet. And now Israel is on its last leg. Literally, God is about to send the Assyrians to wipe them out. And right before he does, he reminds them of the mission that he gave his people. Here's what it says, Isaiah 42, verse 6. God says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand and watch over you. And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from prison. Who does that sound like? It sounds like Jesus, right? That's the exact same mission statement that Jesus read later on when he starts his public ministry. Now, knowing what you know about salvation history, how did Israel do with God's great commission to be a light to the nations? How'd they do? They did horrible. And right when you thought that maybe the light of Israel had gone out completely because God sent Assyria to wipe out Israel, God later sends the Babylonians to wipe out Judah, Seventy years later, they come back, but now they're under the thumb of the Romans. So what is Israel going to do? After thousands of years of being prepared by God to be a light to the nations, it seems as though this little nation has failed until Jesus is born. Until Jesus is born. And when Jesus is born, he takes the baton if you will, in this race to be a light to the nations. And he continues and he takes over. Now, I want to stop right here with Jesus. And I want you to um, to fast forward with me. Because when you turn over to the book of, uh, and turn over to the New Testament, after the time of the Great Commission of Jesus in Matthew 28, you've got the Apostle Paul talking. And I'm not going to get into a whole lot with the Apostle Paul, but, but when you listen to his ministry, when you listen to the things he says about the Great Commission, I want you to listen to the language that he uses. In Acts chapter 13, go ahead and turn over there in your Bibles. Acts 13. Just to give you a little bit of background, this is right when Paul starts his very first missionary journey. And this is part of the message that he is giving to the Jews in the synagogue there at the city. Okay, They're in a place called Pisidian Antioch. And he's giving this message, and basically Paul makes the case that, that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one that was prophesied about in the Old Testament. And, and Paul makes the case that, that even Israel's rejection of the Messiah was prophesied in the Scriptures. And then he goes on, and he's even so bold, I love, the, I love what he says. He's talking to them, he says, even the words that I'm saying to you right now were predicted in the Old Testament Scriptures. Okay? But then listen to what he says. They start arguing with Paul. He goes away one Sabbath. They say, we want to hear more. He comes back the next Sabbath. And now there's all these people there. And then you've got Jewish leaders, Jewish teachers that are standing up right in the middle of the church service, synagogue service. 
And they're opposing Paul. And here's what he says. Acts 13, 46 through 47. We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you rejected and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. Now we turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you, here it is, look what he's quoting from. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. I'm hoping, see, when this is when a preacher does his sermon over the week, I'm hoping that it's starting to click a little bit more now. What Paul understood is that his calling to carry out the Great Commission was not something new. It wasn't something that, that Jesus just came up with. Jesus didn't come bringing some brand new thing that, 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 that he was to, to take the baton on. Paul saw himself, as the early Jewish Christians all saw themselves, as a small, believing remnant of Israel that was given the task to do what God had called them to do all along, and that was to be a light to the nations, to go out and be a light to the nations. Um, to introduce them to Jesus as Israel's Messiah and to help them find their forgiveness in him to be saved. The Great Commission is part of the fulfillment of God's promises that he made to Abraham all those years ago. He said, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Now we get to step back from history and say, how does that happen? It happens through Jesus Christ. Happens through Jesus Christ. And now you and I get to continue that and to continue pushing out this light of the gospel to be a light to the Gentiles. Amen? So it makes a lot more sense then when we understand this that, that the Great Commission is really just the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, right? I mean, it's really what it is. And we're Gentiles. So it started Jewish. It's been pushed out to the Gentiles. Now we Gentiles, guess what? We're pushing it out even further, Okay. But it makes sense now, some of these other passages of Scripture, like Isaiah 42, 6 through 7. He says, I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will also hold you by the hand to watch over you. And I will appoint you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those who dwell in darkness from the prison. I wanted to read that one more time because, again, that's essentially Jesus' own mission statement that he made. Right? When he began his public ministry. Listen to Luke 2, 29-32. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. That's Simeon. Remember him? Simeon was that prophet guy who was in the temple and basically his whole life was just set up so he could see Jesus be born. Isn't that cool? And, and, and the Spirit had spoken to him somewhere along the way and, and the Spirit simply said to him, hey, before you die, you're going to get to see the Messiah. And, and so Simeon's holding baby Jesus in his arms and look what he quotes under the Holy Spirit. 
that, that you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles. In other words, he's holding the baby Jesus and he's saying, maybe now, maybe now, maybe the promises that have been made to Israel are going to be fulfilled because now the Messiah is here. Now the Mashiach is here. Now the anointed one is here. And now the light can finally go out to the nations. Matthew chapter 4, 13 through 16. Leaving Nazareth, he, that is Jesus, went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulon and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun, he's quoting now. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And then finally, Luke chapter 24, 45 through 47. He opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. This is after the resurrection. Uh, He opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to where? All nations, starting at Jerusalem. I bring all that up this morning because what I'm hoping that you are are coming to see in this series, and this is what I'm struggling to do, this is what I'm trying to share, is that church is a lot more than a lot of people think it is. Church is a lot bigger than a lot of people think think it is the message of the gospel the good news is the good news about the kingdom of God and how that through us because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross because we get to live in this future covenant right now and experience the indwelling of God right now the world gets to experience the truth that the kingdom of God has drawn near but see they're never going to experience that until we allow God to to allow him to live his life in and through us We get to have the privilege of being the generation of people who have been empowered by God's Holy Spirit to live as a holy nation of priests and to serve Him. You say, well, I didn't sign up for that now. I thought I was just going to go to church. (laughs) I just wanted to hear a good sermon and hear some good preaching and hear, you know, maybe a little bit of a good music every now and then. I didn't know that I was a part of a movement. Well, guess what? You are. You are part of a movement. And if nobody, if you haven't had a preacher help you understand this before now, I apologize. But let me give you some sobering news. You have woken up behind enemy lines. The war has already started. And you're being needed right now. Because there's neighbors and friends and family that are in your own sphere of influence who do not know Jesus Christ and who need to know him. And it's not about a program. It's not about trying to get people to come and hear Tim Tim Brown preach. It's not about any kind of official anything. This should be the natural overflow of your relationship with the Father. It needs to be that way. We now have the responsibility to take the gospel, to take this light of freedom to the Gentiles. We think what a privilege that is. Listen to how how, um, Paul said it like this. Well, maybe not. Second Corinthians five seventeen through twenty says, "Therefore, if anybody is in Christ, stop there, hard stop. Are you in Christ? Raise your hand. Yes. 
All right. If anybody is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. That's why we call it amazing grace. Hallelujah. Right? Because our sins are not being counted against us. Amen. Okay? That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. And that's true. The appeal that God is making to the lost world is being made through you and me. And so the question is, how are we going to offer that appeal to other people? Some people offer it very harshly. You better come to God or else. That's one way of making an appeal. (laughs) I saw funny some videos one time. This fellow was preaching, man. He was into it. He was doing this with his Bible and it accidentally slipped out of his hands and it hit the poor woman right in the front row and it was funny and it wasn't funny (laughs) because it was in church but it wasn't funny because even though in reality we don't do that at the same time we kind of do do that with people don't we Okay, but I wanted to make sure that we understand this because, again, there is a big difference between church, the way a lot of people think of church, and kingdom, the way that the New Testament writers um, understood that term. Um, Next week, I'm going to invite you. We're going to do one final sermon in this series about outreach. I really just wanted to lay the groundwork this morning and answer one question. And I probably could have just done this and saved you all 25 minutes. There's a difference between church and kingdom. We are in the church, but we are also the kingdom of God. And because we're the kingdom of God, we have inherited an incredible mission mandate from the Father to carry out what He has been doing since the beginning of time. Next week, um, next week's going to be fun. I plan to show you some things that I don't know if you're aware of. There is a movement that is happening right now. It has been happening over the course of the last 15 years. You probably have never heard of it. I guarantee you you have not seen it on the news. But um, it was a group of people, a group of men, Baptists, Presbyterian, and Church of Christ. Almost sounds like Cane Ridge all over again, doesn't it? They got together and they said, you know what? This evangelism is not working. We need to come together. We need to pool our lives together together and be united. And there's this thing in the Bible called the Holy Spirit. We don't know much about Him. But, but you know what? We're going to take God at His word. We're going to do exactly what Jesus said. And we're going to see what happens. And you know what? A movement was ignited out of that. And in the course of four years, 9,000 churches have spread like wildfire across Africa and across India. I'm going to share that story with you next week. And I'm going to share with you a little bit more about what did Jesus actually say about how to do evangelism? Because we've made it complicated. We've made it all about flashy, you know, having uh, programs and, you know, we've got all these big efforts and whatnot. It's none of that. It's everything that we've been saying since day one. It's simply learning how to walk by the Holy Spirit. 
and trusting that he will show what needs to what needs to be shown so that evangelism can take place okay anyway i hope you come and be a part of that um let me just say this before we close do you want to be a disciple you want to be a disciple big difference between saying i want to be a christian and i want to be a disciple again we got to think about the terms but do you want to be a disciple? That means are you willing to let Jesus be your master? Are you willing to commit yourself to learning from him, learning his ways, how he talks, how he thinks, how he feels, and then patterning your life off of his? Are you ready, are you ready for that this morning? Do you want that this morning? If you do, then come forward right now as we stand and sing.